Gray Fox is like, I sucked at geometry. <laughs> Fighting was the only thing I was good at. <laughs> I couldn't spell for shit, man. In seventh grade, dropped out. It lied about his age, enlisted. <laughs> I wasn't good at sports. That's his, that's his excuse to the principal. <laughs> Fighting could be a sport. I couldn't play piano. <laughs> I tried. Mr. Yeager, please come to my office. <laughs> Sir, this is a Wendy. I flunked, I flunked U.S. history three times. I fought the principal. <laughs> <laughs> and I was good at it, too. <laughs> I won. <laughs> <laughs> I was six. Oh, man, there's your intro right there. I was I was six. <laughs> <laughs> Whooped his ass, 45 years old. <laughs> Sitting there still having this conversation Like pinned under Rex's foot <laughs> That's like his, his greatest achievement Liquid's like, go He's like Damn, <laughs> all right. Hey I'm Fingers Yo this is Vector Hey everyone this is Days Ahead And I'm Nitroid You're listening to the Kojima Frequency You guys ever watch uh, Married with Children? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know how Al Bundy always bragged, like, I scored three touchdowns in a single game. That was his life achievement. <laughs> it's like Gray Fox beat his principal's ass. <laughs> oh, man. So. At least I dated the high school cheerleader. <laughs> That's a good one. I was six. <laughs> he dated a, an Olympic figure skater. That's that's a, an achievement too. And then he blew her up, right? Yeah, I mean, life goals. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm actually blanking. Was that intentional or not? I don't think it was. No, he just he fired the missiles, and then she was uh, <laughs> in the crossfire. Did he take a nap? Good job, buddy. Before and then fire the missiles. I feel like I don't think it was intentional, and the reason why is because based on how he reacted when Snake mentioned Naomi, I feel like Gray Fox is a real sentimental guy. Um, like, you know, before he gets his arm sliced off and stomped on, gets curb stomped by Rex, you know, Naomi! That was a really, he really delivered that line. That, that hit me hard when I was a kid. You ever heard the, uh, the, um... The Greg Eagles story about that? No. Uh, I'm, I'm going from memory, so I'm probably going to mess it up. But the gist is that he was, uh, Greg Eagles was the, was the voice actor for Gray Fox and the DARPA chief. Right. And he did an interview where <clears throat> I guess he had seen people online talking about how the voice actor for Gray Fox in Japan had passed away. Right. I remember that. And he misinterpreted that to think people were talking about him. Yeah. But he misinterpreted it in the most hilarious way possible because on the interview, he was like, yeah, gamers need to realize that Greg Eagle, he's like, starts talking about himself in the third person. He's like, what? Greg Eagles isn't a video game character. And when the video game character dies in the game, Greg Eagles doesn't die in real life. Wow. He got really upset. Yeah, huh? God. So that was hilarious. Voice actors are either, like, the most chill people, or they do shit like that. There's, like, no in-between. 
Yeah. And, you know, back in back then, it was in the like in the mid to late 90s. If you if your name was found on a video game, a lot of that's why James Flinders exists was because, uh, you know, he wasn't comfortable with using his real name because there was like a stigma. It was a yeah, it was it a non-union union job. Yeah, it was a non-union yeah, so, job. And and David Hayter was Sean Barker, which is like his. Yeah, that's his character Giver. from right from Giver. Yeah, that's right. It was a what Kim May guest or no Kim May West? Is that I always get the two mixed up? Right, which one right. did she use? Yeah. Wait, Kim May guest is uh, was May Ling, and then Debbie May West was Meryl. Yeah. So it's like maybe I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm confusing that. I always I always yeah, get mixed up there. That definitely would throw me off. Um but um but there was there was that yeah, non-union and um like Jennifer Hale was was uh gracious enough to lend her real name, but she became like a legend in voice acting. But um you know, th- there was like a, a a whole deal like people would they I think this must have been a panel I saw with with somebody I forget who who it was but they were talking about how like you didn't want to use your real name because working on video games made it look like you weren't a serious actor and you know people would turn you down because of you know games like uh the original Resident Evil uh you know it just painted games as like you know this is where the people who suck at acting go I always wondered where the uh, live-action Resident Evil actors, whatever happened to them, the ones they've the been able to track down all but two of them. Right. Um, I think it's um, they can't find Jill. Yeah. And they can't find one of the one of the guys from um, from the team. I don't remember. Yeah, that woman is so elusive. But they did find Rebecca. Just like a few years ago. That's, a little, that's kind of ironic considering uh, how little Rebecca seems to be in the series. But Yeah, it's a shame. She's yeah. my favorite. Um, it's, I was just reading about this. It's weird. I was reading about this the other day because uh, with uh, Barry's actor, I guess he's like a, a high school teacher or something. <laughs> but he was in Japan and some of the Capcom devs were walking down the street and saw him and were like, hey, do you want a gig? You look like a character in our game. Right. No, that's the best way to <laughs> do it. And that was it. Yeah. Isn't that, uh, isn't that what happened to uh, Guy, I forget how to say his name, Guy Chichi or something like that, when he was trying, his, like, his yeah. daughter was trying out for Silent Hill 2 and they were like, you sound like an awkward, creepy, middle-aged white dude. Why don't you play James Sutherland for us? Wow. <laughs> Days I, I know, uh, Days, I know you're playing Resident Evil 3. How surprised were you to see that live-action cutscenes had made a comeback? Uh, yeah. That, it, it actually reminded me a lot of the original Resident Evil, um, which is a little awkward, because I felt like they nailed the tone of this one pretty well. But yeah. It, it felt so disconnected. Anybody else playing this? No? Just, just us? Yeah, um, yeah, I finished it in one sitting, and I yeah. have unkind things to say about this game. Yeah, I was not expecting for it to be that short. And um the length the length doesn't bother me. It's okay. the just how weak the scenario feels in comparison to Resident Evil 2. I would say um it, this might be just a matter of opinion, but to me this game seems far more detached from its namesake than the remake of 2 was. Okay. There are very few similarities and um 
it just seems to progress at like a breakneck speed through every single area or mechanic or enemy type it introduces you to. Like by the time you've gotten used to this new thing that they've put in front of you, they're moving on to the next thing. Right. Yeah. And and that's not even getting into Nemesis and man. <sighs> okay, I know this is this is a Kojima podcast and we're going on Resident Evil 3, <laughs> but I got to get this off of my chest here. Resident Evil 3, the original, is my favorite in the series. It's it, Well, it might be a toss-up between that and Code Veronica. Um, yeah. And Nemesis, in particular, is my favorite monster design. And I don't mean in Resident Evil. I mean of all monster design ever, Nemesis is my favorite. I completely understand I, that, 100%. And... From the second he, sh- from the second Mister X showed up in the Resident Evil Two remake, I was worried that any remake they did of Three would be undermined by how much he borrowed from Nemesis mechanically. And this game proved me absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 incredibly valid. It, Nemesis is, is in like not to not to spoil it, so I don't I don't want to go into too much here. But but like most monsters in Resident Evil that are boss category, they evolve over time. And the original stage of Nemesis is something that changed, you know, it's only in the in the original game for a certain amount of time, but it's fairly, you know, ubiquitous through most of the game. Yeah. He only really starts to change near the end. Yeah. In this, he's in it like three times for a very short amount of time. He's easily avoidable and every encounter feels scripted. And when it isn't scripted, you can almost shrug him off because he doesn't really, it doesn't seem like he's trying very hard to get you. Yeah. I mean, (sighs) his swipes can be pretty devastating, but um, I mean, when you figuring out the dodge is kind of tricky, but you know, when you finally get a hold of that, which kind of takes a while because you don't get a a lot of opportunities to use it because the game is over before you know it. But, um, yeah. And I can forgive that if there were just, you know, if if the scenarios that they gave you were more fleshed out. Like one one thing I've been talking to to friends about who have completed it is the the RPD in in RE2 remake. Right. You know that's that's sort of your hub area to begin with, and you know it it sort of unlocks in a linear fashion, but in a way that gives you enough to navigate around in different ways, so that if Mister X is stalking you. You've always got more than one way out of the situation, right? Yeah. You right, learn yeah. that terrain. And then as it expands, you can use it more to your advantage. And, and you really get to know that. But there's nowhere like that in 3. And, yeah. and that's why I like replaying Resident Evils is because I like being able to better understand that type of like maze like scenario and, and optimize it over time. Whereas with this game, while I'm excited about them adding like Nightmare and Inferno... Um, it, it, it doesn't make up for, for not having those sort of those gameplay scenarios where you can optimize and, and figure out the best routing and the best way to, to avoid Mr. X or in this case Nemesis because it's just, just like one long linear path. Exactly. Yeah. I, I feel like they didn't know what to do with him. <laughs> yeah, so they I don't like, like his design at well, all. Take Mr. X bad. and give him a gun and make him run. I okay. almost feel like... I almost feel like they had big shoes to fill, like a, a big precedence to fill with the RE2 remake. So it, with that and with that in mind, they may have made some misguided guidance in terms yeah. of their game design. A friend of mine put it best. I think this game feels like a rough draft. Hmm. Like if this is what you like, 
the way he put it was like, if this had been the, if he had been working at Capcom and the devs brought him this, he'd be like, okay, this is a good start. Right. Yeah, I, it, I agree completely. And and because Resident Evil Three, well, it was called Nemesis in the uh, in the states. I don't know if it was called that in uh, in Europe, no, but it was called. Uh, I, well, Europe, I don't know, but in Japan, it was um, Last Escape. Yeah. So, but you know, f- the game still revolves around Nemesis. He's on he he's on the cover of the original game, and he's on the cover of this game too. But his character design is so terrible, you don't want to look at oh, him. Um, God, you, know, I'm, you know, I'm so glad they put those caution stickers on him, or I might not know he's dangerous. <laughs> yeah, he does not look good in uh, in trash bags. That's uh, like the original costume a- was like was like it was it was unsettling because it was like thick leather. It looks kind of like bondage gear, so that just like it played with your mind and on subtle levels. This is just yeah. like, and he's got these tentacles, so you know, there's like all this subtext of like what this monster can do to you and then this remake is like hey trash bags you like glad bags well check it out and then uh, he's hefty strong going off of nitroid's point about him transforming early one thing that i always found scary about him uh was that you know before him bow seemed uh, you know, the most humane one you ever saw was Burke and G1 because right. he was like screaming Sherry's name and stuff. Yeah. Uh, now they have this creature that is, is, he almost seems even more dangerous when he's not mutated because he has like a conscious mind. He, he deliberately targets specific folks. And, right. Um, he can use weapons. He can run. He can open doors. Yeah. The tyrant could never, the original tyrant could never open doors. So for them to like immediately change him from this this intelligent BOW uh, yeah. is really like an evolution of the weapon. Um, they you know they transform into like this liquor dog by the <laughs> by like right. hours in the game. Right. Um, so that, that was disappointing. But on a positive note, oh, God, I love Carlos in this. <laughs> yeah, he's a uh, man. I we should His probably stop probably talking the about it. <laughs> yeah, probably. We should probably because like this is just gonna take. This is gonna, <laughs> we're gonna go like two, three hours just talking about this. Welcome game. to the Resident well, okay. Evil podcast. <laughs> let me, uh, let me, let me use that to segue into Metal Gear. If you guys will let me have the chance, do it. Um, so yours. Speaking, speaking of remakes, um, the reason why I actually even thought of this idea uh, was because on April first, I think I mentioned this, um, the Outer Heaven Network did a Twin Snakes April Fools run. Uh, for for people listening, uh, let them know what uh, the idea is. The idea of the April Fools run, or or what what you're saying going into because we know obviously, but oh yeah 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 yeah. So uh, the topic of this week was the fourth wall um, and how it's affected or how it's been implemented in Metal Gear Solid. Uh, but ironically enough, the reason why I even thought of that conversation uh, was because I just got to see or get a refresher on all of the sort of, for lack of a better term, like dumb examples of the fourth wall in Metal Gear, which were in Twin Snakes. Okay. Um, the the additions, the, the fourth walls that they added were kind of corny. And then the ones that they, uh, that, that they played off of or they remade, um, I thought weren't very good either. Uh, but I don't want to stick with just bad examples. I listed, if, I listed. There's, of course, there's a million more good examples. Well, yeah, real you, quick, you what would you say notes. the worst example is from Twin Snakes? Uh, it's actually a tie. 
Um, so I can think of two, and I'm wondering if yours are the same as mine. The first one is before the Psycho Mantis fight. This was one that they added, uh, where like Psycho Mantis asked you to put the controller on the floor. Um, in the original game, Snake didn't really acknowledge, you know, his his verbiage or his vernacular um, talking to the player. Um, but he, you know, it felt like Psycho Mantis was talking to you. Um, whereas right. in Twin Snakes, when you get that direction to put down the controller, the game stops, dollies to Snake, zooms in on him. Snake looks at the camera and nods at you like. Do it, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, really? Because it kind of takes out the tone. I mean, that whole scene with Psycho Manus and Twin Snakes, they, they took out the tone to be, like, edgy, I guess. Uh, but that part in particular got me. And then the second example that I had was actually during the, um, the torture scenario where, again, you know, <laughs> Ocelot's verbiage in the original, it was very clearly directed at the player, but it was so... It, it refuged in audacity in a sense that... It was just dialogue. Like, it wasn't necessarily acknowledged that it was talking to the player. It was just sort of part of Kojima's whimsy that it was part of Ocelot's dialogue. Uh, and Twin Snakes, however, um, when he mentions the part about using the turbo controller uh, to mention that you can't cheat on the game, uh, he stops, looks towards the camera, and points at the player. Uh, yep. <laughs> and it, again, it's just like it, it's it's adding corniness in a, in a in a in a place that I thought had a very cheeky tone. Yeah, you got the exact one. <laughs> <laughs> there were there were other little moments too that they added. Um, I, they're not one of them is quasi fourth wall breaking, or rather, it's a, it piggybacks on a fourth wall break, and the other's just I think kind of strange. Um, but when Snake throws his little temper tantrum after Baker tells him he forgot Meryl's codec frequency. Right. Oh, I, f- I blocked that out of my mind. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and the other, it's not fourth wall breaking, but it was just like, I, I couldn't just ignore it. But um, during uh, the second Vulcan Raven fight, when um, the crow comes down like a referee... And like, cause at them both, like it's doing a countdown. <laughs> I don't remember that one. Wild. Yeah, I, it's uh, they're they're both facing off against each other after they've had their little right. conversation, and the crow lands behind them, and it looks over at Snake and cause, and then it looks over at Vulcan Raven and cause, and then it lowers its head like it's about to take off, and then when it <laughs> takes off, the fight starts. That I I uh, so it's I like a boxing referee. It just comes down. Yeah, exactly. like, I want a yeah. clean fight. Are you ready? Oh, are you ready? (laughs) Gloves up, touch gloves. (laughs) I had no idea. Touch guns. Touch guns. Okay, maybe I love that. Vulcan touches his chain gun, his minigun with Snake's soak off. Right. (laughs) Nothing below the belt. I I I had no idea that was there. I I completely forgot about it. But that now that I'm hearing about it, that sounds amazing. That's a. Yeah, maybe I need to rethink that one. That's, that sounds awesome. I, I liked uh, the... I mean, I liked everything about Twin Snakes. There was literally nothing that I didn't like. Uh, and uh, I, I liked when Ocelot pointed directly to the camera. And, uh, you know... Well, because here's the thing. Is that as a, as a Metal Gear Solid fan, and this is specifically something that I feel happened in Metal Gear Solid and not the original Metal Gears, but... 
I, I, I want the fourth wall to be broken as much as possible. That's one of the reasons why I play this game because, or why I, I used to play them was because the reason why the fourth wall exists in the first place is because it was a, I just said because like 12 times in the same sentence. Um, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta work my shit out. So the reason why the fourth wall exists is, you know, it comes from, uh, from stage acting and, you know, you don't want to break, break the fourth wall. You don't want to want to create, uh, or let the audience in on the illusion that this isn't really happening. Uh, and you know, something, something immersion, blah, blah, blah. But metal gear would just take that and throw it the hell out the window. And I appreciated that. And that was what drew me to the series was it was completely unlike other things. And so when twin snakes was like, Hey, you, you like fourth wall breaks. We're going to take everything you liked about metal gear solid and crank it up to 11, even if you asked for it or not. And, um, and you know, it's, it's like that didn't detract for me. That didn't detract from the experience, but I, I definitely understand your point of view. Why, why it detracted for me when it comes to, when it comes to fourth wall breaking, um, I feel like there's a there's a threshold that once you cross it, it's hard to take the material seriously again. Um, Wait a second. When when did we ever take Metal Gear Solid seriously? Well, maybe it's not so much that you take it seriously, but you can kind of accept it on its terms. Okay. Um, and it definitely takes itself seriously to a degree. I don't think In, Twin Snakes does. Twin Snakes, Twin Snakes is like, absolutely fuck you. does not take itself seriously. <laughs> yeah. Right. But MGS one most certainly yeah that does. that tone is that tone is a whole nother level. And when MGS one has those moments where it's breaking the fourth wall, it it does so in a in in kind of a subtle might not be the right word, but it's it's not playing them up as a gag. Okay. It it it's doing it on 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 a level that it's almost more creepy than amusing. You know, hmm. okay. I'd say it's more just it like never, it's, it's it never instructions to the player, really. Like it's it's just like, hey, you need to press X here to you know to do this. Okay, here's here's to a way to think about this, it. This you have to put the controller down. In in MGS one, when it breaks the fourth wall, it never breaks immersion. Yeah. Where Twin Snakes does when when that, when Ocelot describe it, yeah. When Ocelot points at you, when Snake nods at you, that's taking you out of the moment and going like, ha ha. You know, but the the game never MGS one never really laughs at itself in that way. It's it hmm. certainly laughs at itself, just not in that way. Yeah, Twin right. Snakes is like direct um, wink at the camera type shit. Right, <laughs> and that's and that's why it loses me. Anyway. Yeah, but I think that's the whole the whole game is just turning things up like well, that. So I don't the, I don't really like let that you know yeah. determine you know, my enjoyment for it. The headcanon I've always seen fans go with is that. MGS one is what happened, and Twin Snakes is like Otacon telling the story at a bar. <laughs> yeah, I love that interpretation. Yeah, that's a good one. Like, and then he totally backflipped over a missile, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was there, son. It's like, yeah, it's just like his Japanese animes. He so cleared like, the whole the truth, door threshold. The other's the legend. <laughs> and then. And then Snake and Raven were standing there face to face. And then a, and a crow stood between them and was like, oh, are you ready? Oh. Fing- fingers, was that door reference? Was that a reference to Snake, like, fucking jumping the door? Yeah, he, d- he jumped the whole <laughs> threshold, cleared it. Right. 
man. I was talking to a friend about that scene today. We were talking about, like, Grubhub drivers or, I'm sorry, porters. Like, I had a, a Grubhub driver, like, just not even show up. I think he just, just straight up took my Wendy's. And I was oh, saying, damn. I have an IP camera, though, and that's how I knew he didn't even bother to, to come over. And it reminded me of that scene when Ocelot's looking at the camera, like, in Snake. So it's especially funny in Twin Snakes, because all that flipping, and Ocelot just kind of clearly sees him in the camera. Yeah, like, there. Do you think Ocelot was like low key, like Jesus Christ, dude? Really? Yeah. <laughs> so oh, the point fucking, I said that I still gr- saw you. The reason why I said that grub up story is because basically that's how I felt like, like looking at my camera and a motherfucker wasn't there with my Wendy's. Damn. Uh, that I had okay. Wendy's I yesterday. I I know exactly how important Wendy's is. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like uh, if I ordered Wendy's and didn't get it, I'd be devastated. <laughs> have you seen where people are like asking questions on their door and like having yes and no on bot on the like near the bottom and Amazon delivery? Yeah, but like do Carol like Baskin kill her husband and it'll be like right. leave it on the left or right? <clears throat> All the packages are on the right. Wow. I feel like there's a there's a real opportunity to do some death stranding jokes, but Oh yeah. Like, Eventually I'm gonna leave like keep on keeping on <laughs> on one of these notes. I just haven't had a chance yet. Does Death Stranding have any fourth wall breaks? Yes, it does, actually. Um, and I did list some of the... Well, I only listed one right now. Um, but it's actually towards the end of the game. Um, and a lot of people think that it's a, a gag on Metal Gear Solid Five. Uh, so towards the end, when you get to that segment where you're waiting on the beach um, for like four hours for Amelie, um, you can still do call-outs with the touchpad. Um, and if you keep doing call-outs, Norman Reedus is like, hello, is anybody out there? You know, this has been a damn long time. And if you keep pressing it, he says something like, is this even finished? Like, is this, you know, he's like, what, what's going on here? Like, can someone quit the game for me? And, it, and people like to think that that's a gag towards Metal Gear Solid Five, where, you know, folks got to the end, they were in the middle of chapter two and they were like, wait, this is it. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty so, hilarious. Hmm. And there, there were also, uh, I uh, remember seeing when you're in the, the safe houses, he'll, um, he'll look at the camera and point at things, uh, you know, like directly at you, giving you instructions and, and stuff. Like if he needs to go to the bathroom or something. Does he do that? I, I don't know. Yeah, I remember he'll, he'll uh, point at the bathroom and then act like he's praying. <laughs> <laughs> if he hasn't peed for a while, yeah. Oh my uh, God. If you, if you stare at his crouch, he'll like, give you the finger first, like shove the camera back up. And if you do it enough, he'll just straight up punch you in the face. Wow. Oh, that's cool. See, I want games to do more of that. Um, and I think like the interesting thing is, um, I think a lot of that I felt like probably developed organically. Um, because I remember Norman Rita saying at a, I forget, like at some comic con panel or some convention panel that he would just, you know, do some sort of mannerism or just sit there and, you know, be Norman Reedus and act, you know, like how he, whatever, however he acted. And Kojima would, you know, observe his behavior and be like, wait, hold on, can you do that again? But, you know, in front of the cameras. And I wonder how much of that, <laughs> I wonder how much of that resulted in some of those, like, Put the suit intensity. on. <laughs> um, it's just like, Kojima, don't look at my dick. I don't know. Um, hmm. <laughs> yeah how did that evolve like what, do you, uh, what are you doing with that camera there boss you know, it's so funny I was thinking so much about the beach example I didn't think about the a million 
uh, examples in the safe room. Um, and then I think the last one, I'm not even really sure if you'd consider this a fourth wall breaking, um, but if your chirillium levels, chiral levels, um, if they're really high and you haven't like used the bathroom or showered or do anything to just kind of clean that off or, or, or clean it off of warmeritis, um, you will have certain hallucinations. Um, some are kind of fourth wall breaking, um, others... Hmm. Oh, cool. Yep. Is that exactly what causes it. the weird, um, the weird like nightmare sort of things? Yeah. So the more you kind of. Oh, um, I wondered what triggered those. I didn't know. Wow. The more you'll have those hallucinations. There's one where like Kojima will come out of a puddle of like chiral tar and grab Norman Reedus by the legs. Uh. <laughs> I knew I saw him. I knew I saw his face in one of the trailers. I knew it. Kojima fans are like, go, sorry, go ahead. Knew it. I love the one where um, I was going to say, I like the one where the baby is like facing away from yeah. him in the, in the pod and he taps it and then it turns around and it's like Deadman's face um, on it. And then there's, there's one, uh, <laughs> that's like, gross. You look in the mirror. Um, so, so like it'll be, it's almost like a horror movie where like Norman Reedus will look away for a moment and then look back and Higgs will be right behind him. Whoa. So that reminds me of, um, and going back to Twin Snakes, um, you know, th- that uh, Twin Snakes was developed by Silicon Knights, mm-hmm. and before Twin Snakes, they made Eternal Darkness for the GameCube, and that that had the, that, uh, like, sanity system where, you know, if uh, if your sanity, insanity level was, was too high, you it would start making, tricking you into thinking that... Um, like your, the volume on your TV was going yes. down, that or game was nuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that game is so much fun. Yeah, I wonder if they brought any uh, of that. Um, you know, like they what did. they uh, um, what they so, did from know, it, with Eternal Darkness into Twin Snakes. The Twin Snakes remake. Um, credit where credit is due. They are the developers of Eternal Darkness, and some of the sanity effects did end up being translated into the Psycho Manus fight, uh, like the camera tilting. Uh, the volume adjustments. Uh, that is the one part of Twin Snakes that I feel was yep, was a, kind of an improvement from, was uh, the the room tilting darkness. during the fight. Hmm. Yeah. Shame they never got to make another one of those. They did a Kickstarter for a spiritual <laughs> successor, but it didn't really get anywhere. I tried. I tried. Uh, Dennis. He was he was under so much flack though uh, for for stuff that he said and you know the the lawsuit. With Epic, right. that's another another story, though. But um, yeah. And so I wonder if uh, Kojima is uh, a fan of uh, Eternal Darkness. I I didn't know about the uh, the hallucinations you could have in Death Stranding. Well, what was the time frame on that? I wonder if Eternal Darkness was what caught their eye. What do you mean? Um, I d- I don't know when Eternal Darkness was was made, but but was I that think that was two thousand two. Hmm. Oh, thing. oh! You mean like was that what made uh, Kojima think uh, like, hey, these guys should yeah. should do the remake? I don't know. Yeah, because I- Twin Snakes was two thousand four, and I wonder. I know the game was developed in something like a little over a year, so I wonder if right if Eternal Darkness was what caught their eye and was like, were, you know, That's made them go like, hmm, maybe these guys are because, the ones we should uh, give this to. Say, They've got some creative that, ideas. That That's a really Twin good Snakes question. Came out of a conversation yeah. between him and like I think Shigeru Miyamoto, where they're like, when are you going to put a Metal Gear back on there? But I didn't even think about the process you know how did they choose a developer yeah yeah 
It was probably just like, here's the only developer <laughs> that we own that isn't doing anything at the time. Fourth ball break from two. There you go. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let me introduce you to these guys. Um, and then, so, let me ask you this: out, out for for each of you, outside of Twin Snakes, though, what would be your favorite fourth wall breaking moment out of out of the Metal Gear series? <laughs> Definitely not Psycho Manus's appearance in in four. Vibrations <clears throat> back. Yeah, go away. Um, I feel like four had way worse fourth wall breaks than Twin Snakes. That's just four me. Four had not to not to to take the the mic away from you here, but four had one that I'm not sure if it was intentional or not, but I feel like it might've been, but there's, there's not enough there. It's not developed enough out to really say, okay. So, um, you know how, um, MGS two had the game over screen where it, um, fish and mail like, yeah, like, like it looked normally it looks like a digital readout. It shows some, some stats on where you are. Yeah. And then it gets weird near the end. Right. Yeah. Um, it looks like software crashing. Oh, okay. Um, and then three does the time paradox where it all sort of fades away slowly. Yes. Can I, can I, can right. I answer four. this pop quiz? Do you remember what four okay, is? I hope I'm right on this one. There were like so, flashbacks, um, right? Assuming you're referring to like, yeah. close to the end of chapter oh. five, where if snake dies, like towards the end while you're like trying to during like the sort of, um, cumulative or moment or whatever the word is if you die instead of saying continue and exit it says continue and exist um and if you click exist like liquid ocelot comes out he's like it's not over right. yet and then it switches to exit and it's like they never really give you context as to what that's supposed to represent or the message but you know it's it's not it's not part of the plot it's it's just just a gameplay mechanic that directly affects the player Okay, please explain. Okay, so I would argue that they do give you context, just not directly. So, taken away from the bit in Act 5, the game over screen is just, you have flashes of your experiences, Mm -hmm. your memories, and then it goes to static. Right. Right. It looks like a signal that's been cut. Okay. Okay? Yes. Have you ever died in MGS4 and then called Rose? I experienced this moment or this death, and I'm, I'm coming back. Yeah. And you get different responses the more you call her. And one of the responses you get, um, he talks about that, and he also talks about seeing himself from the third person. And she speculates that it might be a mild case of depersonalization disorder. Like he's becoming detached from who he is. Yeah. Okay? Now, um, I don't know much about this. I've just done some like very cursory reading. But from what I understand... A common symptom in depersonalization disorder is something that feels kind of like you've lost a signal. They call it visual snow. And I'm wondering if this was kind of an attempt to communicate that. Where, like, the whole Hmm. game is about Snake's sense of self, right? Sense being the keyword, his will, his personal, uh, you know, his soul, whatever you want to call it. So if he's losing that, if he's gra- if he's if he's you know struggling with that grasp on on who he is as a person, maybe maybe that's kind of what so, they were going for okay, there. It just didn't completely come with through. Like a counter question, I maybe. guess. Um, so with that whole concept of depersonalization, and even though it didn't really okay. seem fleshed out, do you think that may have had some ties into um, some of the earlier some of the th- stuff we talked about earlier about Kojima kind of disassociating with Metal Gear Solid Four. Like, do you think it might be a representation of him sort of depersonalizing as he tries to get out of this series? 
Maybe. Wow. I mean, it's every time he's made a game, he's kind of put bits of his personal life in there. Right. And I mean, every every developer does this. Every every director, every auteur, whatever you want to say, they everybody does this. There's bits of yourself in the work you do. Kojima tends to turn it up to 11. You know, he'll talk about how Metal Gear Solid was born out of him playing hide-and-seek with his kid and trying to figure out what to pass on. Um, and, and MGS4 did seem very much kind of like a game about getting away from Metal Gear. <laughs> right, so, right. So, possibly. I mean, I mean, I get- it's, it's one of those things that I, I don't know, maybe. It, you'd have to ask him, I guess. No, I think that's a really interesting and, and apt observation. Because that, that was the reason why Snake, well, you know, has osteoporosis, because Kojima can't do handstands anymore. Yeah, and he would always say that, like, you know, Snake is me. Snake, I'm old. I'm, I'm getting old. Snake is getting old. I mean, this is all conjecture, right. because, again, so, <laughs> at, what were you gonna like, say, until, Dave? like, five minutes ago, this has just been, like, a creepy Easter egg yeah. for me. Uh, so thank you for the additional explanation. Yeah, like, like I said, I have no idea if that's what they were going for, but there seem to be a lot of, of ideas in MGS4 that are sort of flirted with, but that then never sense. elaborated on, and this strikes me as one of them. Hmm. Like, uh, not to not to, to drift back into Resident Evil, but um, Nemesis and the way he was handled kind of reminds me about... kind of reminds me of how the Gecko were handled in Metal Gear Solid 4. Okay. And how... Right at the start, it seems like they had something really clever and creative, and these things were going to stalk you on the battlefield and follow you everywhere. Yeah. And then throughout the rest of the game, they're almost non-existent. Right. Damn. And, and when they when they first talked about when he when he first talked about the gecko and what they were you know what they were and what they could do and what they were shooting for, I was thinking, oh man, this is going to be like you know Velociraptors hunting you almost, you know? Right. In, exactly. In, and that sounded really cool to me. And then that first segment of MGS4 in the Middle East where, you know, the the initial battles going on and the gecko are jumping down and attacking everywhere. Right. That, it's a little sandboxy because depending on where you go, they'll they'll show up in interesting places and like peek into to the upper floors of buildings and it's really cool. And then they never really come back to that. There's like one part in Act 4 where they kind of play with that when it, you know, shows up uh in the in you know, on the level where, where Hal's lab is, but that's it. Yeah. Well, the same can be said about like a lot of the mechanics in four though. There's like that first act is, you know, here's, that's the selling point. All this, all the stuff that they had shown, had shown before the game launched. And then the rest of the game, like even, even the second act isn't really, doesn't really compare to the first in terms of like the things that you can do and the mechanics that are available. So, yeah. I think that gives it a lot of replayability though. Like there, you know, you will like find yourself in different scenarios, like a lot in these games, especially, you know, if you, if you decide to take different hey, routes, just like and, like, Resident Evil. <laughs> trying to go out of your way to get you know, different results out of it. Right. Oh, and I was going to, hey. yeah, Resident Evil does have that like replayability factor where, you know, I think that's the whole point. It's like, you're just, you're going to get those like upgrades and different do, uh, uh, abilities and stuff and then try to run it quicker. Do geckos respond? Right. You know how you can unlock yeah. the, the big boss outfit? It's just like you, you're flank steak big boss and you scare all the soldiers. Does that have any effect on the geckos? I've never. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think they ignore. I, I think they it. don't fall for it. I can't remember if I've tried it or not, but I know in one of the trailers, um, 
they showed Snake playing dead with the with the you know the the dead camo or whatever it's called. I can't remember the name. Oh right. And it and it looks at him and then it scans him and then tries to stomp on him. So I think that's more or less what happens in the game too. <laughs> so sorry, I kind of took this here. on a tangent there. Um, uh, Vector, you were saying about your about fourth wall breaking moments. What was what was your pick for the best one? Yeah, or your uh, favorite? Rather. You know, I, yeah, <laughs> favorite. Yeah, either or. Uh, I I guess I'd have to go with uh, the sorrow fight and uh, needing to, needing to take the revival pill really to get out of that fun. boss battle. Ooh, that was good. Where you kind of have to think outside of the game's UI. Right. Well, I mean, you have to think in terms of the UI. Or uh, yeah, in terms of it, yeah. Because you, uh, you can't take it for granted. I remember f- when I first played that fight and like being really excited because all the, all the you, you have all your guns and they all have unlimited ammo and. I felt like a kid in a candy store. I was like, yeah. And I'm like re-killing all the, the dudes I had killed. And like, hey, I ate that fish. And, um, <laughs> you know, and then I'm like, what the hell do I do? Remind but- me, I, I might be wrong about this, but I seem to remember if you ate a vulture after the vulture had eaten a guard, then when you get yes. to the sorrow, isn't there a guard There's that walks guard. by that says something like, you ate me, or something yeah. like that? Yeah, I remember that. He's like, you made me useless. Wow. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. No, that's, that's harsh. Always had a lot of guys that were just like holding their neck. They're <laughs> just like, ah. Slit all their throats. Yeah. And, they, and it'll, does it actually, yeah. has anybody tested to see if that caps out? What do you mean? Like, like, I think it's just the, every guard you've killed at that point. I mean, right, right. But like, what's oh the God. cap on on yeah. on kills? How long can that segment go? Well, it's. I mean, uh, it it doesn't like continues don't count, right? So it's not like you can continuously stack guards. It's like the there's a max number of guards that were in the game up to that point, so I that's wonder, as I mean, long. You keep getting alert, getting called in in different tag. areas. Like, and would, yeah, like and, and just keep, going, keep along with obviously you know getting the dog tag. If that's like a unique ID that would be affiliated with that count. Well, uh, dog tags weren't in MGS three. I I know, but they maybe there's still some way of tracking. Like there's only a certain. Oh, number. so you mean like every guard's unique or something, something like that. Not every guard's unique. More like there's only a, a certain number of kills that register for the sorrow can't get fight. Duplicates, yeah. Oh, right. okay. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I can't imagine you, it's figures. a true count. Yeah, it will go on for a very long time, though. I do. <laughs> I remember playing like pretty lethal one time, and I was just like, "Oh my god, why did I kill so many people?" Like that was the first time I ever thought about like, "Oh, maybe I shouldn't kill so many people." Unless you're doing a speed run, then you just take the fa- the revival pill right at the start, yeah. and you're done. And that's why I like it. It's like you you have to know that you know you have to 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 actually do that, and it it you kind of feel smart for figuring it out. Like, oh, I don't have to walk down this this whole river and die. I can just wake myself up right now. That's when Metal Gear does its best. I think when it makes you feel smart for figuring one of those things out. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Like there's when a you, there's when a you moment think to put on a box and then like get in the truck and then they just like take you somewhere you're like oh my god i'm jesus <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's uh, a moment in um in metal gear solid 2 substance uh in one of the snake tales eternal gazer have you played yeah, that yeah and the idea is that you're stuck in a vr simulation and you keep getting messages telling you snake wake up snake wake up and right 
to get out during an oh actual God. VR mission, you have to like pause the game that's, and hit uh, exit to continue the story. Have you ever played? I've I've never played this, so I'm yeah, not that's here that's awesome. You, but have you heard of uh, the X Men game for the Sega Genesis? So, uh, I think it. I no. Remember. Which which one? Was it just called X Men? Uh, was it like gems or X-Men, something? X Men. Yeah. Oh, wait. Is that wait. The did one? you say? Did you say X Men? Describe this. I feel like it might. Okay, for some reason I thought you said X Files, and I was like, "What?" For me, um, that'd be but cool the, too. There was one level um, where you get to the end, and there's no exit, but there's a, a screen, and like you're told, like, "Hey, you have to reset Magneto's like computer or something like that." And a lot of people were confused, uh, but the trick was you actually had to press the reset button on your your Genesis. Uh, and when you reset that, it proceeded to the next level. And I mean, you oh, have, that's to have a wild. lot of faith in your console to do that. Wow. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, man, that's terrifying. I, I know there are people who legitimately turned their game console I off like when, when like, the kernel told them to. <laughs> I can't imagine. Really? People people really did that? Oh, man. It's just, it commands you to reset the computer now. And then when you press the... Um, the reset button, it shows you that green message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that was like a function with a lot of those consoles. It was like a soft reset. It wasn't like a right. hard reset. It was like that did... There was a save system in certain games where you would you would have to do that too. You would have to like hold reset and then hit power or something. Yeah. I am amazed that they were able to pull that off. Like, I wonder what sort of code is running to enable that. I bet, you know, like, just like, um, like Finger said, how... It's like a soft reset, mm-hmm. and so there must be information stored in in RAM that the yeah, game that's accesses. What it did. Yeah, like held onto the RAM in the in the <laughs> cartridge or in the right. Better not hold that reset button too long. Yeah, Maniac Mansion, I know, had a system that was like that. Like, I guess some of those things had the little batteries in them with the, for the right. RAM. Yeah, cartridges. And, uh, and plus, this was back when you're when was there save data? Were there were there like game saves on that as well? There was saves on Maniac Mansion. Uh, yeah, that's how you would save. Well, I mean on, on X-Men. So, like, did uh, it have save files on the cartridge? Or was it I one f- of those one-and-done type games where you... Hold on, let me check, oh, no, the, let me check the main shit. menu. Because <laughs> that might be the, another way of doing it. Like, it remembers a state. Right. I'm looking at the main <laughs> menu, and uh, if you see the word password, then you know... Then nope. Yeah. That's, that's pretty- just amazing, though, that they were able to do that. Yeah, I, I uh, I'm impressed. I um, you probably couldn't get away with that now. Well, no, because the way consoles, consoles were. Anyway, I wondered if they if that game was released on uh, like Virtual Console or something. How that worked? Ooh, yeah. How how could you emulate that? Uh, hit soft reset on the emulator. <laughs> yeah, can, can you do that? No, the, yeah, there's normally a button that says soft reset and hard reset. Right. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, you know, I had this uh, idea a while back, years ago. Me and a friend, you know, we were putting together a design doc, and I was, um, she had this idea for a boss that, like, was blind. They were blind, but they could hear you really well. And I was like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if, like, the way you had to beat them was you had to go into the options menu and turn the volume all the way down so that the boss couldn't hear you? And we thought it was it was a a great idea. It was completely inspired by Metal Gear Solid, because it was like that's pretty great. It, it you know like the the fact that those games break the fourth wall is 
I mean, it just, it, it, in a, a lot of ways, it's everything. Cause it's, the games are, what's the word? They're self-aware. They know that they're games. And like, uh, I just, the way my brain works, I always appreciate that. And that's why, uh, I mean, I feel like uh, it's a it's a thing with a lot of people. That's why Deadpool is such a popular character is because he just completely disregards the fourth wall. Um, and I feel like, you know, it for me, it doesn't break the experience as much as people think if as long as you set those expectations, you know, like even in Twin Snakes, it, like it. Yes, it breaks the immersion to have a character point directly at the camera. But if you establish that this is that kind of game, then you still build that rule set and your brain gets accustomed to that, which can also be immersive in its own right. That's just, there's also the, um, in metal gear, there's also, it it sort of sets that expectation in subtle ways too, that it's aware it's a game, but it never shows its hand right away because to, to, to explain what I mean, right off the bat in MGS one, the colonel's telling you to, you know, press the select button. Yeah. Obviously, Snake doesn't know what the hell the select button is, but the, but you do. So he's not really talking to Snake so much as he's telling the player what to do. Right. So some games have done have done this before, but but not as not as a setup. You know, they're just being in, they're just dumping information on you. They're telling you how to play. Metal Gear seems to be doing it not just to give you information, but to kind of set up the, you know, to, to set you up for later. You start to take for granted that it's talking to you about these small things so that when it talks to you about these big things, you're like, oh, wait a minute. And, you know, now that I think about it, since you mentioned that, like a lot of games have to do that. If you have a, a tutorial section and you have a like a like a partner character or someone talking in your ear, they'll usually reference you know, buttons on the controller or like gameplay mechanics in order to teach you how to play the game. Um, and it's like, it's kind of like a necessity in a lot of, in a lot of cases. Yeah. I was just playing resident evil four a little last night and right in the beginning. Um, Oh, what's her name? Hunnigan. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, she's, she's like, hang on, Leon, I'm sending you a playing guide. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lo- there's a lot of Metal Gear <laughs> yeah. references in no, that. No, four four ripped off. I, mean, well, I don't want to say ripped off, but there was a lot of uh, inspiration and homage to to Metal Gear. That honestly, oh, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't expect that. Um, but I wonder if that in and of itself was a fourth wall break because, like the 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 walkie talkie screen in RE4 is so clearly a codec. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> No, I, I I just forget what it was called, walkie talkie or transceiver, or whatever their word for it. It was like, oh, it's a codec, like some off-brand, <laughs> yeah, some Chinese knockoff codec. Which, which I think we've talked about. Have we talked about the origin of that term before? Uh, a little bit, we did, and Blaustein that that uh, yeah, that was yeah. Blaustein's uh, term, and it's still being used in Death Stranding. Yeah, that's crazy. So I I don't know of exactly what the actual definition for codec is. I know it has to do with uh, coder, know, like it's vi- coder deco- video it's files. It's short for coder decoder. Okay, and that has something to do with video files or or any type of signal conversion. Yeah, where it's encoding it and then it's decoding it. So, uh, well, that's pretty clever. Uh that lets. Okay, so let me ask. Like, canon wise, um, it's I know it's supposed to be a vibration in your ear. 
and it's supposed to be as if the person's like speaking right directly at you. But how is it like in the context of the universe? How does that affect like visually? Is there no visuals? Because this is this God. Is I was afraid you were going to ask way. this. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the reason Ugh. I ask is in the context of this conversation is one example I was going to bring up. Not my favorite, but one example I was going to bring up to your point was how they kind of utilize the codec in sort of a fourth wall way. The right. example I was thinking of was when Liquid like takes off his hairband and his sunshades. Yep. And it's like, okay, is this fourth wall breaking? Like, is this, you know, is, is this a play on... The mechanics versus what's happening in the universe. So yeah, sorry. Go right. ahead. I'm, I'm well, he even asks him if he liked his sunglasses. So yeah, <laughs> it's a great line. That's a it's a classic. You could do you, you know, want I can, the? I can accept ahead. it more for two than I can for one, since it's nano machines in two. Oh okay, yeah. But but yeah, I think I think it's just <sighs> Metal Gear has this this kind of quasi reality state where you know yes it's happening but it's not happening and you just have to accept that it's somewhere in the middle of these two poles right well the development reason is hey we got a shit ton of exposition to deliver to the player (laughs) but we have we have like a negative development animation budget so that's why the codec exists was to, to to deliver plot while saving the animators time and and money from a lore standpoint, you know, it obviously there's, there's a ton of holes, but it's like, that's one of the, the, the things about metal gear is that in, in a sense, it's, it's aware that it's a game. You're aware that it's a game at times. Metal gear is aware that you, the player are playing it. And so you just kind of have to like, why does the codec exist? It's because it's a video game. So that's my explanation. No, that's about all the explanation you need, really. Yeah, it's just imagine I mean, and that's, Snake sitting there and like <laughs> Liquid's like just taking off all of his stuff, and he's just like sitting there, doesn't know the difference. He's like, "Ha ha!" He's like, "Are what? you still there? What do you what What'd you do, Miller? It's what like, happened to your accent? Oh, I I took off my my sunglasses and my jacket. It's supposed to be this big. You know, video. this is a radio, right? I thought we were doing video chat. Sorry. Was, he's doing like RPing. He's like, I took off my glasses, hairband. <laughs> Well, I mean, Snake can see the radar, so I feel like the the codec is also he can see that with nano machines. Yeah, there's something there. There's something there that's implied that we don't see, and I don't think we're really supposed to take it literally. But at the same time, they address it like it's literally. So it's again, it's in that superposition of real and not. Yeah, it's like yeah, there is I, a camera set up somewhere because you see, especially like when uh, Ocelot or not Ocelot when Otacon, uh like gets all big and stuff when he figures out that there's four people on the and then he's like he gets all big on the on the camera. Otacon, I can see your nostrils. <laughs> I'm gonna give you a, a pseudoscience nonsense explanation. Right. Go. There's no there's no camera, but the nanomachines that are in the per like the, the codec user's body, it sends a snapshot, a three D snapshot to the other person Kind of like how, uh, like, like the that Ben Affleck Daredevil movie when when it rains and you can see Jennifer Aniston for the first time. Not Jennifer Aniston, Jennifer oh, right. Garner. That'd <laughs> <laughs> make that movie even weirder. Yeah, it's it's kind of like that. The nano machines, there. It's just like uh, it makes a, a point cloud three D model of uh, of whoever's talking, and it it sends it uh, 
to the to to the the, the, the receiver. Shit. I can live with that. I was yeah. thinking it like yeah, like that, like like a Google Glass type deal. Okay. Where you just kind of see it in the corner of your eye. Yeah, but how do you see the other person? Because they're they'd be wearing one too, right? I mean, I assume that like Naomi and them have got like monitors that they're looking at. Yeah. What if? What? Okay, this is not worth talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's the, really the, people not. The, the people on the no, it's it's exactly what we need to be talking about. <laughs> the people on like the ships and stuff are definitely like watching everything. Like when they right. get calls, you know, they're all sitting there monitoring. So. so here's the question, though, right? When you call Colonel, when Snake calls Colonel. I, which is you calling Colonel. How does Colonel see what you look like? Maybe he sees what the Soliton radar sees, so he's talking about like a, a, a white dot. <laughs> what? This is just, this is one of those questions where when are you supposed to take Metal Gear at its word at face value, literally, and when are you not supposed to? Right. You know, you know generally we can agree that when we're talking about character histories, we're taking that literally. And generally, we we can agree that when a character is giving Snake instructions about which buttons to press, like select and square and X, yeah. we're not supposed to take it literally. But these kind of questions are in between those two somewhere. You know, it's it's that's that's where like that's where the sauce is. You know, like that's that's the that's the magic of what makes these games work. I think. There's also the headcanon that states that um, the games, like Snake is playing a game, and you know that's why uh, Colonel references those things like you know press the action button and and you know and all that is because it's either a VR simulation or you know or it there there never was a Metal Gear. There's there's only you playing the game. Dun, dun, dun. Isn't there like a cameo or something at the end of uh, Ghost Babble where at the end, like post credits, uh, you see this message that's like, you know, Jack, this is Colonel, like it's um, it's when you complete all of the extra missions. Ah, okay, so it's not the end of the story. And you're talking to someone named number four, which a lot of people assumed would mean one of the 12 Patriots. Um, and he says like, you know, your time has almost come, Jack. You're now at the skill level that solid snake was when he took down Galluade or, or when he he infiltrated Galluade. Right. Um, and so this was prior to MGS two coming out. No way. There were, there was some weird stuff like that where they were, um, they were teasing MGS two before MGS two was, was even announced. So like, um, like, um, did you ever get a hundred percent in in the VR missions for MGS One? Not 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 the ones included with standard MGS One, but the standalone VR missions. Yeah, with the like the one like you could do like a five second pick of metal like Metal Gear Ray or something like that. Exactly. Yeah, you get like blueprints and it's like confidential and that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Is that would you consider that a fourth wall break or is that just like? Um, right I guess there. not. Right? Not really. Like teetering between fourth wall breaks and easter eggs right so yeah that's metal gear has a lot of both so yeah when does the fourth when does the easter egg become the fourth wall break and vice versa i think it's just whether or not it's addressing the audience one of my favorites i guess it's like i mean it 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 eventually gets uh answered if you keep calling colonel but just uh merrill's codec being on the back of the box Mm -hmm. i thought that was a that's uh, a good one pretty that's the Piss one everybody me the remembers hell off. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah, especially if you rented the game and didn't have the box at first. You're just like, uh, what? Yeah. Well, time to go through every single one. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, a friend of mine. That's how he played the game. He just, you know, went digit by digit <laughs> until he got to the right one. Part of that, part of the reason they did that was as an anti-piracy measure. Right. But then they do eventually um, yeah, give it to you. So that's why I was yeah. I was thinking about that and I was like, hmm, I don't know. Yeah, it's not a very good one. It was yeah. it was more so of an anti-piracy measure in in Metal Gear 2 with the tap codes. Oh yeah. Right, right, right. No, a lot of games used to do that and then they they'd be pretty elaborate. Like there was a decoder ring that you needed to play one of the Monkey Island games. Oh right. Um yeah, I, I um well, cuz I read an interview with Kojima one time that said like he considers like the game to be everything that comes with it, including the box, the manual, you know, all of, all of that. And so he, he, uh, tried to, um, incorporate those things into the game, but then I guess stuff happened where it's like, okay, well, more people are going to be renting the game. They might not have access to the box or the manual. So he had to cut it out. Renting is illegal in Japan, isn't it? Essentially, it's illegal. It's not like there's no law against it, but it's like because you can. It's ridiculous. You can rent CDs. You can go to a, a shop. You can go to a shop, rent a CD, and right there at the ch- at the 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 uh, cash register, there are blank CDs that you can buy. And then you you like this is that's amazing. Completely common. It's yeah. It, but renting games was because of Nintendo and I hate them so much they um they essentially made it effectively illegal but there's it's not like a I from what I understand it's not officially illegal that's one of the reasons that a lot of those game cafes have been shut down right is because of Nintendo that I I don't know about I remember Um, reading you know a lot of these smaller cafes and bars where people would go to play retro video games they're having trouble right. staying in business because the there's legislation that prevents them from from doing that yeah there was it's, um, it has to do with that like no it, it's it's related to that no rental thing that's that's really interesting i need to look into that because there was one uh, that uh, i went to it was called space capsule in uh in osaka really cool place small hole in the wall um and uh, I don't. I I heard that they were. Uh, they had to shut down. I'm sure they're not open now because uh, you know coronavirus. But yeah, um, I need to. I need to follow up on those guys and see if they're still around. That's uh. That's interesting. Yeah, you I you'll wanna you'll wanna fact check me on that. But I, I know I've seen articles talking about something similar to that, where you know it's it has it has to do with like because people can play them sort of a la carte while they're at the store that somehow falls under the same umbrella legality as rentals. So, yeah. Days, your turn. What's your favorite fourth wall break? <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, that's a really hard question for me. Um, okay. So before metal gear even came out, I, one of my biggest fears, like childhood fears, weirdly enough, uh, was like, video games going sentient and attacking me like or just like working against me i guess in a way oh man you Uh, are in the wrong franchise for that i know it's it's i feel like you know i'm masochistic i think this proves my masochism um but with that being said i think the one that kind of affected me the most and this was my favorite was you know obviously psycho mantis because it was like a deliberate attack on my fears or a deliberate manifestation of my fears. 
Um, just how, how deep the secrets go with that, how you can, you know, unlock little tidbits depending on what's on your save file. Um, and then also the fact that you can completely circumvent, you know, some of the fourth wall aspects all entirely, whether that's just changing your controller, which is technically a fourth wall thing, or just shooting off the mask on his statues. So given how granular it is and how much, how many nightmares it gave me, uh, I'm probably going to go with Psycho Mantis. And then as a close second, you know, applying that same fear, uh, the AI kernel, which wasn't as bad uh, because the AI kernel couldn't directly attack me. But goddamn, do I have that like skull codec image kind of ingrained in my head for the rest of my life? Yeah, that's my lock screen on my phone. Oh, even better. <laughs> Fingers, you're uh, Um, Like I said, the uh, on the back of the uh, the CD case was definitely a good one for me. I remember like oh, I, right, right. Having, having it right there next to me. I like I was just like, oh, because like, I, I owned it and just like flipped it over. I was like, ha ha, there it is. Um, definitely. not to stray too far out of Metal Gear, but since we're on fourth wall breaks, um, all three of you have played Snatcher, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love when um, you, it's it, very early in the game when you're at the abandoned factory, and the Mark II's like, "Hey, do you hear that? Turn your volume up." Oh, damn it! Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like you forgot. And so to turn you your you know you up. crank it up so you can hear it, and then the game lowers its own volume to normalize it so that when the bomb goes off, it cranks it back up and blows your speakers out. And Gillian's like, oh, my ears are ringing. And Metal's like, yep, that's because you forgot to turn your volume down. (laughs) I wonder, uh, I would, if if I blew some speakers over some shit like that. I would not be a Metal Gear fan right now. Lawsuit. Yeah. Seriously. And also hearing damage. Oh, jeez. Especially if you're wearing headphones, right? That is not the weirdest um, fourth wall break that was planned for Snatcher. Oh yeah. Um, this never made it past the drawing board, but an idea that Kojima floated at one point was: can we coat the CD in oh, yeah. some kind of material that when okay. the disc spins and warms up, the player will smell blood? Oh, man. So that if you're near a corpse, we spin the CD up hard and you smell blood. <laughs> right. Oh, fuck. I, Obviously, I this did not pan that. out for, for, you know, several reasons, but... Man. But, like, that's how this guy's mind works. That sounds like one of those <laughs> classic uh, behind-the-scenes. We thought Kojima was joking, but he was actually serious. Right. I do remember they were they were going for that though, like across different games. They wanted to like introduce smell. Like there was like a whole yeah. campaign for I remember reading that in like a game pro at one point. MGS two is they wanted to do um temperature. Hmm. Um they wanted uh Kojima was talking about how and I wish I I've, I've never been able to find the interview again. So if anybody can find it and let me know, please do. But he talked about how they were trying to figure out if they could have a special controller made that would change temperature. Um, right. So if you were like trying to detect the bombs, for example, it would get warmer to let you know you were close by. It sounds like something that would be better used in MGS One because Alaska, and then you have like the the, uh, the furnace right. and changing the card keys. Yeah. Something because sure I know they make. I uh, I they used to make controllers that had fans in them to prevent your hands from sweating. 
Right, but, right. Uh, but they if you did that, wouldn't it anymore? just the sound would be a bigger indicator than the temperature? I mean, you could probably use that to your advantage. Like uh, yeah, originally, originally the the cell phone was only supposed to vibrate, but then uh, playtesters thought they were taking damage from somewhere, and so they had to add a a cell a ringtone. Oh, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, it, it just it would just vibrate, and people are like, "Oh, I'm, who's hurting me?" That's why it beeps. I was kind of irked they changed the ringtone from the Japanese version. Did they? I didn't know about that. In the the U.S. version, the ringer is just like a standard little, you know, ringtone. There's nothing special about it. But in Japan, it's like a chip tune of the MGS2 theme. I have a theory about why they did that. Okay. And... Well, Mike. Well, it's less of a theory and more of just a blind ass guess. But go um, at that at that point in two thousand one, the cell phones in Japan were so far ahead of of you know of, of anything in the states or or the Western countries. Um, like their cell phones. Oh my god! Uh, you should look up pictures. Look up uh, old school Vodafones. These things were huge, and that's where like cell phone charms came from. Uh, so I'm sure in Japan they were completely used to like having a song for a ringtone, but in Western countries, you know, since cell phones hadn't, hadn't caught up yet, I'm sure it had to be made a standard ringtone because that's what, uh, cause people just weren't used to having a song on your, come from your phone. That makes perfect sense. I would that's not be guess. surprised if that was the reason. I like that song. <laughs> Yeah, I miss that. Just pay the licensing fee, guys. Seriously, if Sony had to pay that that stupid dude so that they could get controller vibration back, because that's a patent. Hey, speaking of uh, patents that have expired, uh, you ever you guys ever play like Crash Bandicoot or something, or a game where you know you could play a mini game while it was loading? Oh, I know where you're going with this. Yep. Well, the patent for that expired so people are allowed to do that again so Thank spread the goodness. word <laughs> yeah doesn't nintendo have a patent on sanity effects do they i think they might that sounds familiar just like uh, michael jackson owns happy birthday yeah i've heard that be- from through eternal darkness they got the patent for sanity effects which is part of the reason why it's been so hard um, you know what i have actually seen the patent document I've seen it. So let me ask you this: Did did um did Fear Effect have to have to license that? Uh, see, I don't. I think it was. I don't. I've never played Fear. Or so was it? Or was it distinct enough? I think it was distinct in a sense that there was like a metric involved. So like fourth wall breaking that would be associated with some sort of like bar or mechanic, where the more you lose it, the more you know, the, the fourth wall breaks or the more your character is affected. I hate that. I really do. I, it, when I it comes don't remember, to creative mediums, it's like patenting a color, you know? Let people right. paint with what they want to paint with. Yeah, no, that should that should totally be made illegal or, like, punishable by torture or something. I don't know. <laughs> but um, but um, I don't remember fear effect having, uh, like, sanity effects because it's, like, fear is different from sanity Right, so I Nintendo's sworn, patent. Though, things got weird though if you if you let your fear get too high. They had an EKG and uh, right in fear effect. Okay, so you, it wasn't you, you it wasn't really more damage. It's been a yeah, long time since I played It was I more like you game. had to calm yourself down. Like that's what it was. So. Um, Clock Tower Three did the same thing. It's like the the more afraid you are, then 
Like if you if you max out your fear meter, then you die in one hit. But you can take more damage if if you manage your your fear. So eternal darkness was what prompted this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean they're basically just like trademarking that specific system, but you can name it other shit and do similar things. Yeah, right. But enforcing this patent would probably be PR suicide. <laughs> I mean, no, Nintendo's not afraid of of PR. They they're they f- I feel like they're incapable of even thinking they could commit PR suicide after well, yeah, shutting down so many fan projects. Like uh what is it? AM2R, is that what it was called? Yeah. And it's amazing. Because it it, it got out before they C&D, right. right? Yeah, I've played it. It's uh it's a phenomenal Metroid game. I got to play that. Yeah, it's really good. Um I mean, it's just like like classic Metroid, a little bit of like elements from Metroid Fusion, but primarily uh, Super Metroid. Mm. Italian so, kiss. Mwah. So I got a question for you guys. This is a question that has plagued me for a long time, and I'm wondering if you guys have an answer, or at least what your opinions are. So many games out there, Mario, Sonic... Um, you know, you just Metroid, mo- mostly platformers, but but even other franchises, they all have a decent amount of fan games made for them, right? Either mods or fan games, something to that extent. Yeah, Metal Gear seems very barren in that res- in that respect. It it doesn't really have any fan games. I mean, we've got like Mary Gear Solid, which is more of a joke than anything else, but like no one has really made a serious, authentic Metal Gear fan game. Why do you think that is? I disagree to an extent. What was that game that you were telling us about? Volume. That was essential. Volume, right? That is a Metal Gear fan game, Okay, right? so, but it, but it's so far detached. And I mean, you look right. at, like, how many Sonic or Mario fan games on there are there, for example? Well, there was, um, there's a game called, I think it's called Forbidden Planet, I think, uh, and it yeah. essentially, yeah, yeah, and that's that's a that's a Sonic like, yeah, right. So it's like a Sonic clone, Sonic like, but I I get that you you your meaning is like essentially like I don't want to say copyright infringement because like not commercial, not meant to be sold, right? But like you know, hey, I made this because uh, you know it has the characters, essentially video game fanfic, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Okay. Okay, yeah. So if you clarify that, then yeah, Metal Gear doesn't have a lot. And I wonder if it's because of the fan base thinking that like only Kojima can do this. And you think that might be it? I think it's just a case of programmatically, it's just easier to make a platformer fan game than it probably is to make you know a stealth mechanic game. I mean, so you think it's it's a matter of of sophistication. I, I think it's no. a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Um, so why wouldn't there be more 2D Metal Gear games? Or do you think most of the fandom kind of came out of the 3D era? No, I don't think so. I think if you're if you're dedicated enough to make a fan game, you do uh, a 2D game. Mm-hmm. So then I've why aren't I've seen a couple of like works in progresses, but that's that's literally about it. Yeah, I've seen um, right. people like trying to duplicate the Ghost Babel engine, for example. Yeah, pretty much. That's that's about where it stops. Um, right, but I think you were right with the sophistication of it all. It's just there's so many things going into Metal Gear that that's what, like, trying to say this is my version of it, when it's just 
oh, it's another stealth game. You know, that's that's not really the case. I think the most another yeah the most sophisticated Go. I guess fan game I've ever seen um, was that like really bad Half Life game. Um, it came out recently. I think Super Bunny Black Mesa. Three. Wait, do you, no, no, did no, you no, say no, Black? No, 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 not Black, Mesa, no. Black Mesa. I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> was it like Return to something or? It was like Release the Free Man or something like that. Right. Hunt down like, the uh, free man. Hunt down the free yeah. man. That's it. That's the closest thing I've seen towards like a, a, a fan trying to recreate a sophisticated sort of game system. And and while you know, I think the person who did this had more nefarious um, intent. Um, it just kind of goes to show, like you know, if somebody tries to do something like that, it could probably come out like a hot mess. You were you were talking about Fowl's response to Hunt Down the Free Man, which I'm I'm really curious about because it is still on the the it's all, still on the Steam store, right? Yeah. So here's the cool thing about Valve is that you can, if you want a Half Life Three, you can make it and you can sell it. So they're not going to make it, but Black Mesa is is an indie project. Mm-hmm. Hunt Down the Freeman. These are all things that are like clearly Half Life, but you know, they haven't been taken down uh, with a Metal Gear fan game. Konami is going to do everything they can to, to shut those projects down. So I'm sure there have been millions of Metal Gear fan games. And in fact, you can go on YouTube and they there uh, some guy recreated Metal Gear Solid's opening in the Unreal Engine. Oh, right. Um, and then there was the guy who recreated PT in the Unity Engine. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, he got shut down hardcore, but he well, that's says... That's probably a factor, yeah. Yeah, he pro- uh, he says, he reports that he was offered an internship uh, at Konami because of that, but still, like, they're going to shut those projects down. Um, and a, and a part of the problem, too, is that as soon as someone reports on it, that's when it gets shut down. So Exactly. Yeah, which is annoying. Valve probably has the best attitude towards fan games I have ever seen from a company. Short right. of maybe, short of maybe id, where they just were like, "Hey, you like Doom? Here's the source code." Yeah, no, that's uh, that's some of the the coolest stuff ever. Making your source code available, uh, but you know, mod tools are are cool too. And I guess I don't know. Are, are the characters from Half Life? I, I don't even know if they have any copyrights on them because like know. if yeah, if Valve won't enforce the copyrights. Like some lawyer somewhere would, and yeah. so one yeah, example like, of a fan game that I saw recently. Um, there's been a team of fans working on uh, their own version of of what they think Mother Four would be. Have you seen? This? Oh right, yeah. And um, it looks just crazy impressive. But they, I, I guess, maybe they sort of felt like the noose tightening, and so yeah. they renamed it. You know, they had all that that good faith they built up but then they've they've kind of they've switched you know they've switched gears and now they're calling it oddity and it's detached from earthbound but yeah they were they were able to kind of keep all that good faith and all their work just by you know developing it one way and then once they kind of felt everything tightening they switched gears and now it's a standalone thing but everybody really knows what it is a lot of these laws i feel are far too draconian stifling creativity some of them make sense. I mean, you shouldn't be. Yeah, China. That's a that's a can of worms in itself. <laughs> Spoder Spoderman, Spaderman. Yeah. I I, oh. I bought a I bought a pack a pack of six 
Spaderman at a flea market one time, and they were all. Uh, it was it said Spaderman on the package. There was a picture of Spider-Man right there, but the actual figures were Power Rangers. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Yeah, it's the wild west with <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Well, right, they just don't so, care. Yeah. It's not that they don't care. It's more like no one can do anything about it. because yeah, it's like volume. <laughs> yeah, because those copyrights, those copyrights are for the country that they're filed in. Like, it's in, in I guess, China doesn't have the, the extradition laws, so the, they can't be enforced. So, what are you gonna whatever. Do? Yeah, so if you want to make a, a fan game, I mean, cool that, right? AM2R I think is great, but um, but there's if they that, had changed the name and changed the characters, but kept it functionally the same, which is what exactly what someone did. There's a game on Steam called Axiom Verge. It is literally I have seen that. It is Metroid, right? But it's not Metroid. Is it pretty and good? It looks amazing. I it's on my wish list. I haven't had a chance to pick it up. I've been yeah, playing other a, things. It's hard. Yeah, same. It's hard as shit. I guess there's a they just announced a sequel uh back in December. Yeah. So again, if you want to make a fan game, do it without breaking the law. Still, it's just kind of strange to me that there aren't more things um there's plenty of there are plenty of games you can look at and say okay well this was inspired by Metal Gear in these respects but there's nothing like very other than that one that we mentioned like right. you know you've got volume in the serious and then you've got you know Merry Gear Solid in the parody but that's right. it like no one yeah. has done anything beyond that uh, that is obviously inspired by Metal Gear to that degree have you guys seen that um, that uh Unless I'm just outer, it. Have you guys seen that Outer Heaven fan animation? Yeah, yeah. Um, that is crazy good. Right. Oh, uh, Mitchell Hammond? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, is yeah that, shout out is to Mitchell Hammond for, for that. Yeah. Yeah, he's been working on that for like the past Forever. five or six years probably. I don't know. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's crazy how, how good of a job he's doing just by himself. So speaking of uh, of fan projects, uh, I've been wanting to mention this for a while, but I was waiting for the right time, and I think this is it. Were you guys aware that the blouse himself was blouse. he had tried to do a spiritual successor to uh, Police Knots and Snatcher? Um, yeah, it was. A, he had a, a Kickstarter, wasn't it? Yeah, he did. Um, and I just, I had no idea that it was Jeremy Blaustein uh, until I went back and looked and was like, oh, shit, that was Blaustein that was trying to do that? Um, I'm trying to remember what the name of the of the project was, like Blackmore or something like that? It was Yeah, it was Blackmore. Yeah, okay. that's right. Yeah, I was really disappointed that didn't that didn't uh, hit its goal. Yeah. I, hope he, I hope he goes back to it. I threw as much money as I could at it, but uh, it needed a whole hell of a lot more. Yeah, uh, game dev's not cheap. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> um, it was like also, it was like going to be like a steampunk adventure, right? Right. Truthfully, the resources just weren't there. There was a lot of stuff that I mean, it, you had Jeremy Blaustein, and it was like he he was banking his entire campaign on the name recognition. Hopefully, you'll know that I was the translator for for MGS One, but, but a lot of people don't. Yeah. And I sure didn't at the time. This was um, 2013. I was in Japan. Um, 
and I yeah, I didn't find out about Jeremy Blaustein until a long time later. But now I'm looking back, and and I mean, I still tried my. Uh, I mean, I I was willing to invest in that game, and um and I've I've uh, I've put money into like at least a hundred Kickstarter campaigns over the years. Um, and then you know sometimes they they work out. Um, in fact, based on what I've seen, most of the time they work out. But that was one that it honestly it was doomed to fail from the beginning. What do you think? Uh, just in your opinion, prevented it from taking off? So one, they were missing a lot of key staff. Um, they didn't have a proof of concept. And if you're doing a game project on on Kickstarter, you if you're not a, a, a mega giant or like a a relatively well-known studio like um, like Double Fine or In Exile uh, or Obsidian, and you have that pedigree, then you know because that's what what is bringing people to uh, you know to your campaign is all right. What have you done in the past? I want to see more of that. Um, so, like the Double Fine Kickstarter didn't they didn't show anything. They hadn't even had a concept for a game, and they still. Uh, they still were able to, to bring in $3 million. But for Just Blackmore... Just Schaefer's name, though. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right? Blackmore had a couple of screenshots, and that was about it? It was, They weren't even screenshots. They were untextured 3D models on top of like 2D environment, 2D concept art. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's and, just not enough to show people something to get people like excited, really. Right, yeah. They uh they needed a whole hell of a lot more uh, stuff there, but they also had like staff that they were going to need. They didn't have a lead programmer, they didn't have uh, a, a lead game designer. All they had was like, hey, if you give us the money, then you know we'll hire these people. Um, and yeah, and, uh, you, and you need more than that. I think David Hayter was he was on board to do a voice in the game. I yep. remember that now. Yup. Yeah. He was. He was. I think he was like advertising it on Twitter, right? I think so. He must have. Yeah. Um, he was doing his best to, to create awareness. He did wind up in uh, in uh, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, so not all and, is lost. And he also had um, Satoshi Yoshioka, who, who did art for Snatcher and Police Knots. Yeah, yeah. It's just, um, but there was just I mean, still a ton of people that needed to be there that weren't at that stage. Yeah. So I'd like to see him do it to, to take another crack at it. You know, develop it out, get a concept put together. Yeah, um, rely on a little more than name recognition because a lot of you know, to 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 us these names mean something, but right? To a mass audience, most people don't know, and you know, while that's a shame, it's all it's reality. Mm-hmm. Honestly, now that you say that, I feel like maybe the biggest thing that that hindered that campaign was uh, Kojima wasn't involved. You know, I feel like if if he were attached to the or had even endorsed the project in any way. I yeah I don't know if they still keep in touch or not. <laughs> no, but it was trying to be a spiritual successor to Police Knots and Snatcher, but it did it wasn't really connected to that original creation. It was just a guy who did some translating work, le- helming the project, and they needed a bigger name. Uh, maybe if like if David Hayter himself had done the um, the the pitch video, it might have turned out differently. He did do a video for it, if I remember right, but he was like doing it in his car or something. Which is what's up with uh, with David Hayter and Cam Clark doing videos from their car as they're I about don't know, to go to Taco Bell? Do it forever. 
<laughs> did you see the Cam? I know we're, we're going on here, but did you see the Cam Clark video where he pulls up at like Taco Bell? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's up with that? What's up with these I, guys in Taco Bell? I don't know, but that was, I love that. <laughs> oh man. So uh, closing remarks. Fourth wall. Good. Break it all day forever. Thanks Kojima for playing into my childhood nightmares. Playing us like a damn fiddle. So, uh, yeah, the best the best wall is a fourth wall, and the best fourth wall is a broken one. I like that. Uh, that Here we go. Somebody should put that on a fortune cookie. I like it. <laughs>